Buenos dias. How are y'all doing? All right, we'll see. Hey, um, there is a youth worker meeting at 2.30 in this very room. If you are someone that um, already works with the youth workers, you should be in here. If you are thinking, I would like to work with the junior high and high school students. First of all, get your head examined. Second of all, um, I'm just kidding. I did that for 16 years full time. Uh, but if you're just thinking about maybe I might be something I can do, please just come to the meeting. You'll find out about what they're about and you'll find out a lot of stuff uh, that's great. And um, I just, we, so you know, the youth on Wednesday nights, the youth group has been growing over the summer and now they can't fit in those little rooms back there. So they're going to be using this room um, on Wednesday nights starting when in like the first week of September, um, which they're also we're going to move the nurseries that are over here. They're going to be back there in those rooms. So there's two rooms here and then they'll have this room and they'll have the dining room and they'll have outside. So imagine if you were a teenager and uh, you were up to no good, not that you would be a teenager like that, but um, and you wanted to and you came here we just need more adults okay because we need people in the rooms because you can't leave teenagers alone in rooms um i don't know what could happen also we'll have this room and we'll have the dining room so we just need we need more help so uh if you are um just if you're capable really just capable if you can stand there and say hey don't do that um or hey don't take your shirt off that's not okay Okay. Or something like, hey, put that cigarette out, whatever, whatever it is. Okay. You can say those sentences, then please, you can be a youth worker. So uh, come at 2.30 today. Uh, it'll be fun. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I am going to give you a culture update. I have to forewarn you if you don't usually come to church here. Welcome. Um, I talk about, uh, we're in a series right now uh, called The Affliction of Wokeism. Uh, I, it's, I, this is kind of a trigger warning. You will be triggered if you um, don't like to just look at things as they are. Um, if you like to kind of just buy the narrative that's that's preached to you, then uh, you probably won't like this. So uh, I'm just going to tell you truth and we'll go from there. OK. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Uh, Senate Bill 15. Uh, um, our governor, Greg Abbott signed Senate Bill 15, which I'm just going to read you what the, the Senate bill says. A biological male, from, it, it prohibits a biological male from competing in college-level athletic competition designed for a bio, biological female athlete to maintain competitive fairness. So women, uh, men, former men, or men, men, uh, can't compete in women's sports in college, which is, I mean, if you have a brain, you think that's a good thing. Um, and, and if you don't have a brain, Anyway, um, so um, if so what I what I, I like about this is it didn't say anything about how women are not allowed to compete in men's sports. If women are good enough to compete in, in men's sports, then by all means, go for it. But we know that's not true just because of the physical aspect of it. If there was a mental competition, we all know that women would dominate. OK, there's no no nothing misleading here. If it was just like all mental, but. The physical side, men are just stronger than women, and that's just how it is. That's a fact of life, and you can say it's all the same. Ever. No, it's not. It's not fair for men to compete in women's sports. So um, in Texas, we have a new law that is not. So 
um, we're we're finally catching up to Florida. So don't get me started. Uh, yeah, y'all shouldn't say stuff like that because it gets me started. Uh, so uh, another thing that happened this past week is uh, the another indictment against uh, someone whose name shall not be named. Uh, another indictment against Trump. This is the fourth one of the the big ones that are against Trump. All four of these, I'm just going to say what I wrote so I don't have to think. Um, all four of these were uh, came out right after big news drops about the um, the people that are in power now. Um, there's something that's, hey, this, and, and literally Newt Gingrich this past week said, hey, just so you know, and, and Newt Gingrich is not a nobody, okay? Newt Gingrich said, hey, um, in, in Atlanta, they were told to uh, hold off on, on announcing this indictment until this other thing comes out about the Biden family. And, and so if y'all can just hold off and, and release this this day, and they told them exactly what day to, uh, to send out the indictment so that it would kind of distract from the other thing. Um, all of these things are happening exactly in time, which, you know, it's, it's four different things happened right after these other four different things. Just coincidence, right? Y'all believe in coincidences, right? Um, what's crazy is none of these things, these alleged offenses, happened recently. They all happened years ago, and they waited for the the presidential election to the next presidential election to come. And that's when they're saying, "Hey, we need to get him." So, and and the Atlanta the, or the Georgia prosecutor asked for the trial to start on the Monday before Super Tuesday, which is the day before the primary start. They're literally saying. I mean, they're not even trying to hide it. They're saying, hey, we don't want Trump to ever be able to run again. And I am not someone that can just fully support Trump in every area. But I do believe the man became a Christian. I do believe he got saved recently. And you think about, no, he couldn't because look at all the dumb things he says. Look at all the dumb things you say, fool. Like you say dumb things. If everything you said was shouted out to millions of people, people would look at you and be like, they ain't a Christian. Like, so just, I mean, cut him a little slack. He's not perfect, um, but he is by far um, a good, he, he may be better than anyone else that is running for president. So uh, and we'll see. So, um, and they're after him. So the last little news thing I want to cover is there was a whistleblower for the TSA that says that they're preparing the TSA to, uh, to re the, uh, the government is going to reinforce pandemic restrictions, including lockdowns, including masks, all of this will happen by December. And they're saying this is going to happen. Just be prepared. This is going to happen. They're claiming that a new exotic variant of COVID is coming in from Canada. You know how exotic Canada is. So um, just be prepared. If uh, I'm not telling you what to do, I want to be very clear. I'm not telling you what to do. If you want to wear a mask, please wear a mask. If you want to lock down and hide in your house, please do that. I'm just telling you that Live Church New Braunfels will not participate. Okay? So, I'm so far into this that I'm telling you, if they say, all right, nobody can have church and nobody can gather in groups, we are still going to have our doors unlocked and anybody that comes, I'm still going to preach to. As a matter of fact, right before service, I'm going to call the sheriff's department and say, hey, they're having church over there. Like, I want to get arrested on TV. I want to be that guy that goes to jail for having church. Please, Lord, let this happen. So anyway, um, thank God that America isn't the hope for the world that Jesus is, right? Are y'all with us on that? Okay, 
So that's your that's the whole like current events. I won't talk about anything else that will trigger anyone for the rest of the day. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I'm going to some more. Um, we're talking about wokeism, and today specifically, I'm going to talk to parents. Whenever I say the word parents, I'm talking about guardians. I'm talking about grandparents. I'm talking about children's workers. I'm talking about youth workers. I'm talking about the, what the Bible calls watchmen and watchwomen on the wall of culture. That is every single person in here. We are all to be sharp. We are all to be people that are watching out for the youth, right? So um, we've been talking about having a biblical worldview because that's the best defense of not falling into a trap that is set by culture and, and the way that wokeism has really taken over our culture. Wokeism is this like nice, shiny thing that if you if it was what they say it is at face value, it is a beautiful thing. If it really is anti-racism, we're all anti-racism. If it really is anti-putting um, uh, people out and, and excluding people, that, however, is not what it is. If you take anything that the gospel is and you say, what is the opposite of this thing? That's the very thing that wokeism is about. It is anti-gospel. It is filled with hate. It is filled with their own version of racism. It is filled with their own version of intolerance. And that's what they are all about. So that kind of thing is coming after the kids. And so that this is the thing that set me off to talk about wokeism because I really just like to preach straight from the Bible and preach through the Bible. We do it. We do it. That's the way we do it. We're still in the Gospel of John. And maybe next week or the week after a week, I don't know how long it's going to last. Maybe next week. Hopefully, Lord, please let it be next week. So well, I want to get back to John because I love just the Gospel of John is great. We're going to jump into chapter 15 of the Gospel of John and we're just going to walk through it. I, I think that's wonderful. But I saw The Sound of Freedom. Whenever I saw The Sound of Freedom, I was like, that is a wonderful movie. I don't understand how the media can attack a movie like that. What is going on here? Well, what does it look like is going on here? It looks like the culture is for the exploitation of, of children. And if the culture is for that, then I have a problem with the culture. So I decided we're going to talk about this and we're going to talk about it clearly. We're going to have a biblical lens to look at it from. And then at the same time, we have Pride Month that's happening and it's really was aimed more at kids this time than ever has been before. And we have drag shows that are family-friendly drag shows. That's the most ridiculous sentence in the English language. It doesn't make any sense. Let's have some men dress up like women and sexually dance in front of children. How can anybody think that's okay? That does That is not okay. So um, today I'm going to talk about some practical points for parents. When Anytime I say parents, remember I'm talking to you even if you're not a parent. Um, Proverbs 4.23 says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Understand that that is difficult for us to do as adults. And so imagine how difficult it is for a kid. And we are supposed to be people that are helping to guard the young children's hearts until they are able to determine that they can guard their own heart. We're training them to guard their hearts, right? So I have a lot of points that are in all yellow, and that's so you'll know this is kind of a big point. We have to guide kids in truth, period. We have to be people that are guiding kids in truth. Matthew 18, 6 says, Jesus went on, If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it will be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the ocean. So how... This is how we fight off the wolf of wokeism. Because wokeism is a wolf. And it's coming to devour our children. And we are not going to be people that stand on the sidelines. The time to stand on the sidelines and watch the show happen has long passed. 
We have to be engaged. So we're, we are fighting and we are in a fight. And this wolf is very cunning and very smart. And he's stalking not only you, but the children, your kids, your families, your, your grandkids, the kids that are over there in kids church right now, learning the Bible. And so this wolf of woke, this wolf of wokeism, we are the watchmen and the watchwomen that are on the wall. The Bible's really clear on what our, our responsibility is, even if we don't have little children. It says, Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, give them a warning from me. We have to be people that are speaking truth, even when it's uncomfortable, or I would say, especially when it's uncomfortable. When you see something that is, uh, that is off with your nieces or nephews, with with kids that you have some kind of connection with, you must call it out. If you don't, you're going to be the one that he talks about when he says, but if the watchman sees the sword coming and fails to blow the horn to warn the people and the sword comes and takes away life, then that one will be taken away in his iniquity, but I will hold the watchman accountable for his blood. You have to speak or their blood is on your hands. We have a responsibility. We can't sit idly by and say, look, me and my family, we're fine. We're good. We're going to study the Bible and we're going to do our thing. There are others around you that you have to be an influence on. Sometimes you can say amen with a little more gusto. It's fun. Yeah, like amen, like it's all caps. Romans 16, 17 through 18 says, Now I urge you, brothers, to watch out for those who create divisions and obstacles that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Literally, wokeism. The, the, the wokeism creates divisions and obstacles, and it is set against the gospel, which is contrary to the teachings that you have learned. Turn away from them, for such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites by smooth talk and flattery. They deceive the hearts of the naive. You know who the naive are? The sheep. The naive are the children. The naive are the kids, and we're supposed to be doing something about it. And it is a heavy burden because we're in a fight, and there are many people who don't even realize that we're in a fight. Or, worse yet, they know we're in a fight and they're like, ah, it's too hard. I don't really care. Like, look, you do you and I'll do me. And as long as you don't hurt me and I don't hurt you, we're good. That's, that's not engaging in the battle of culture. Parents, grandparents, teachers, guardians, watchmen and watchwomen, some of you are in tune. Some of you are engaged. Some of you are aware of the wolf. And there are others that are sleepwalking. And if you are someone who is sleepwalking and you are, you are somebody that's not engaged, wake up. It is time to wake up. I cannot scream this loud. Have you ever seen someone that's sleep, sleepwalking? Raise your hand if you've seen someone sleepwalking. It's the weirdest thing because it looks like they're awake and they're just like, and you're like, hey, what's up? They're like zombies. Like, it's the weirdest thing. And you're talking to them, and you think everything's cool, but they are checked out. There are people that are just completely checked out. They're like, I'm going to do me. You do you. I'm just, just checked out. Oh, I don't care about politics. Okay, well, politics cares about you. I don't care about Satan. Well, Satan cares about you. So you you can't just, it's it's a zombie. You know what, you know what sleepwalking looks like as a parent? Here, take my iPad and sit over there and shut up. Just let us do the adult things. Here, and you give the iPad so they'll get out of your hair. Go sit over there and be quiet so we can do the adult thing. Does that hurt your feelings? You ever done that? Yeah. Yeah. I used to tell my kids, hey, can you go in your room and watch TV? Because we don't have time for this right now. Just go get get out of here. We got stuff to do. 
That's a fail. This is a fail. This is a parenting fail. When you're not engaged with your kids, look, you remember when you were a kid and your parents said, here's your iPad. No, you don't, because you're an old person, okay? They, we didn't have iPads. Our parents would say, sit down and shut up. Kids are supposed to be seen and not heard. Like, just get, get. And you'd have to go sit over there, and you just had to sit over there. That's what you got to do. You got to sit over there. And you listen to all the conversations that are being had. And you grew up real fast because you listened to all the conversations that were being had. You know, kids are sharp. They're way sharper than you give them credit for. They understand what is going on. My three-year-old grandson totally get. He knows when Jessica and I, God forbid, that Jessica and I would ever argue. If you've spent time with Jessica and me, you know she's usually wrong. <laughs> she ain't in here. I'm safe. She listens to the podcast, though, every week. Uh, but we argue a lot. And my grandson, he knows. We're, we're, but look, let me just tell you this. When you're married, you're, you're going to disagree. It's okay. It's good to disagree. However, we are never mean to each other. We never yell at each other. We're not like, but we don't agree on almost anything. Like, we both love Jesus. That's probably it. Yeah, I can't think of anything else. We love Jesus. Pretty much everything else we argue about. So, but not mean argue. So, but he knows when we're arguing. He can tell. And he'll say, Paw, Paw, be nice to Gigi. And I'm like, shut up, little kid. Uh, you can't, we can't just say, here, go distract yourself with this wolf. You, you can't send your kids to the wolves. And w- worse than saying, here's my iPad, and, and go sit over there and be quiet, is, hey, go get your iPad. And, and sit over there and be quiet. And there's no guardrails. There's no. There's nothing there for for them to uh, to protect them. So you you can't just do that. You can't. And I know I'm going to talk about it in a minute. But I know how hard it is because some of y'all's kids. <laughs> I know how hard it is to stay engaged because they're difficult and you get tired and you're like I would rather do a hundred burpees than deal with this kid right now. And I understand. Jesus said, Behold, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. We have a limited window of time to shepherd them. Jesus is our good shepherd. And as parents, guardians, watchmen, and women, we are shepherds to our kids. Shepherds carry a staff. And when they carry the staff, the staff is used. That staff has many different uh, uses. That's used for direction, so that they can all tell where the shepherd is to to know where to go. The 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 staff is used for discipline, so you can whack that teenager upside the head with it. The staff is used for uh, to fight off the enemy of the sheep. And a good parent or good shepherd knows the correct way and the correct time to utilize that staff for whatever it is needed for. Sometimes. You do have to discipline as a shepherd. You do have to whack the kid upside the behind, not the head. Don't whack the kid upside the head necessarily. Um, But sometimes you do have to whack them and say, hey, look, no, that's not okay. We're not going to do that. And then sometimes if you utilize that tool at the wrong time in the wrong situation, you can whack them and it sends them off in a direction that they should never have gone because you picked the wrong time to say that. I was told many times as as a kid, that I was stupid 
And at, at just the wrong time, I was disciplined in just the wrong way. And it sent me on a path that was not good. Not, and it took a long time for me to get back on the right path. I'm on the right path now, just so y'all know. <laughs> uh, but we have to know when, and we have to use discernment to when is the right time. Parents, know your role and know your goal. Your role is not to be your kid's friend. Your, I'm going to say it again because it's very important. Your role is not to be your kid's friend. Should your kids like you? Of course. Can your kids like you? Yes. But y'all are not friends. Y'all are not homies. Y'all are not, it's not like that. Because at any moment, you could ground them. At any moment, you could discipline them. And it could come out of the blue. So they should always be a little bit on edge. Am I about to get smacked? I don't know. Well, don't say nothing stupid and you won't get smacked. You never know. So when we define parenting, if I were to ask everybody in here, give me the definition of parenting. I would give, I would have a hundred different definitions of parenting. So what do we do whenever we're not sure about what something is? We just go back to the Bible. Parenting is teaching and training your kids to leave home and love the Lord with all their hearts. Super simple. That's what parenting is, is to teach your kids, to, to prepare them to leave. Your kids, look, whenever in first service, I got really emotional when I was talking about this. One day, you're going to put your kid down on the ground, and it's going to be the last time you ever did that. One day, you're going to go into your kids' rooms, and you're going to pray with them, or you're going to talk to them while they're in bed, and, and it's going to be the last time you ever do that. Don't, don't, don't miss the opportunities to do that while you still have time. I, I, I have the opportunity to put Daniel, my grandson, to bed uh, sometimes, and he'll say, Papa, don't leave, Papa, don't leave. So I will leave because I wish my kids would say that one more time. I really do. Um, now my kids are like, please leave, please leave. The biblical definition of parenting. Um, the first one is teaching. We're teaching our kids to leave. It's Deuteronomy 6. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. And training them. We probably all have this memorized. Train up a child in the way they should go. And when he's old, he will not depart. Now, I want to be clear on this. It doesn't mean, do you know anybody that has been trained up in the way they should go, and yet still they departed? Yes, we all do. So this doesn't mean, this is not a guarantee. If you teach your kids and you say all the right things when they're growing up, that they're going to do the right thing, they still have free will. But if you want your child to have a less likely, less to be less likely to depart from the ways of the Lord, you train them up in the way they should go. You fill them up with the Bible. You fill them up with the Word because we know that the Word does, does not return void. Plant those seeds as often as possible because at the worst moment in their life, that Word will come bubbling up, and it will come at just the right time, and they will come back. Our kids, the ones we have in kids' church right now, they're not going to depart at all. They're going to run after the Lord for their whole life. Your kids, your children are going to run after the Lord for their whole life. They're never going to look to the left or right because they don't, they don't want what the world offers. They want what the Lord offers. That's where our kids are going, right? Okay. And then leaving. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and will be united with his, his wife and they will become one flesh. That's what you're training them up to get out of your house. You're teaching them to fly so that when you kick them out of the nest, they don't hit the ground. Let me just tell you, I cannot, I cannot tell you how important it is that you are truly training up your kids to leave. 
your kids are going to leave. Maybe later than you want them to leave, but they are going to leave. And how will you feel the last time you closed that door and they walked out? How are you going to feel? Did I prepare them for what the world... You're never going to feel, absolutely, I did everything I could. You're not going to feel like that. Do everything you can because one day they will leave. One day they will be on their own. And if you don't, it doesn't matter who they are. If you don't train them up, they will experience all the things the world offers and they will go their own way. So you must teach them the right way. We're going to talk about that again in a minute too. And then loving, Jesus declared, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Sleepwalking parents willfully send their kids to wolf dens. No thinking parent that is awake would send their kid into danger that they are not ready to face. But that's what happens when you're not engaged with your kids, that you don't know. Wokeism is a wolf's den. Sending your kids, it's this neo-Marxist, neo-paganism. It, it is against the gospel at every turn where emotion leads. It's emotion over truth. It's race over truth. It's gender identifier over truth. Race isn't mentioned in the Bible. It's not about race. And yet you have people that have dulled, they, th this whole group of people have dulled everything down, have reduced every person down to what race are you? What gender? Like uh, if, if you are one gender, you're bad. And if you're one gender, you can do no wrong. Like we'll change the laws for one and make them harsher for the other. When you compare that to our identity in Christ, our identity in Christ is higher than every other thing that we are. We are Christians first. Amen. We are Christians. I'm going to amen myself. Y'all aren't going to do it. I'm going to do it. Wokeism, race, gender will not define who we are. We are Christ followers first. Our role as parents is to train our children to leave and to love the Lord their God with all their hearts and all their souls and all their strength. Our role is not to be a friend or a buddy. If we look all the way back in the beginning of the Bible, the first five books of the Bible is called the Torah, Genesis, uh, Genesis Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. It's the foundation for Judaism. Moses is giving instructions to the children of Israel because they, I mean, they lived in tents and it was really intense. <laughs> That really deserves more credit. It was it was intense. They didn't have iPads. They didn't have the internet. They didn't. So Moses gives instruction that is just as applicable today as it was back then, because Moses was literally a, he was addressing wokeism. In, in the previous chapters before Deuteronomy six, um, we have God's people that are they were going the direction that God had told them to go. And then they, they're like, no, this is too easy to know. I mean, this is too clear. So they start looking to the left and to the right. It's too hard doing things the right way, doing things God's way. So um, they start looking to their neighbors. What do they say? What, what is society saying? Or the people that are outside the family of God, what are they looking at? That's called, that's called paganism. That's idolatry. Looking at things outside of, of God, outside of our relationship with Jesus through the Bible, and they, start, they take their eyes off of God and they look at and see what is the culture saying. And he says this, Hear, O Israel. He's talking to the adults. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. That's to the adults in the situation. That's to all the parents. 
He's saying, love the Lord your God with everything you are. You're supposed to love the, love the Lord your God. That's the most basic tenet of Christianity, that you love the Lord your God with everything you have, with everything that's in you. Are you with me? You can't, I mean, that's the easiest, most simple thing. It is too late in the game for us to come to church and put a mask on. I am telling you in all sincerity, this is not a mask for me. I'm not trying to look holy, obviously. So I come in here to church and this is who I am all the time. I'm, I am messed up. I do not have things together. I'm trying to figure it out. I'm studying the word. I'm, I'm, I'm seeking after what God wants me to be. And we all need to be doing that in every area of our life. We're submitting our lives to Jesus, right? That's what it looks like. So as parents, as watchmen and women on the wall, as uncles and aunts and cousins, as people that are older, that, have, that are mentoring young people, we have to talk the talk and walk the walk. It is so stinking simple. If we just do what we say we're going to do, if we are, in reality, who we say we are, if we have full integrity, as parents and guardians, watchmen, we are models. We, we have maybe busied up as parents, busied up our time where, where we're like, hey, take the iPad and go to your room while we do the real stuff, while we do the, the big things. We have to interpret everything through the biblical lens for kids. In Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9, it says, These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols to your hands and bind them to your, on your foreheads. Write them on your door frames of your houses and on your gates. Now, side note, do not get a tattoo on your forehead. Or on your hand. I'm not telling you do not get a tattoo, just to be clear. I'm just telling you don't get a tattoo on your forehead of like the word of God. That's just odd. I've seen people with these things. Parents, you have to know your role and you have to know your goal and you have to be aware of the traps that are being set for you and for your kids. The goal of wokeism is to rewrite ideologies around an anti-biblical narrative. Remember, when they say, we're here we're queer, we're coming for your children. They're not literally coming to kidnap your children. They're coming for your, your children's ideology. They want them to think differently. They want them to think this is normal. They want them to think a drag show in my, in my school library. This is cool. This is normal. I saw a video where they, they had to have Pride Day at an elementary school and all the kids are walking in and the teachers are lining the walls, waving uh, the rainbow flag all over the kids. They're all dressed up and the kids are just celebrating with them because they don't know any better. I would hope that your kids would say, I'm not going in there. No, thank you. Listen, if your kid goes to school and gets in trouble for standing up for truth, please reward them. Tell your teenager that if you get in trouble for standing up for truth, because not just to get in trouble, because they'll get that one. If you get in trouble for standing up for truth, you will be rewarded for that. Like they, they have to know that that is the highest, that they are standing up for truth. They will stand head and shoulders above their peers whenever they don't have to follow along, when they're not sheep like everyone else, when they question things. We center, you, you center all of your conversations around a biblical worldview. It doesn't mean that you have to have a scripture for every single thing that happens. Like kind of like you have a, a, like a, an office quote for every single thing that happens. You know how y'all, yeah, I know y'all do. 
So, but you, 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 have a, you don't have to have a scripture for every single thing, but you should be able to tie things back. When your kids share about their thoughts, about things that they're talking about at school, about their friends, about their friends' families, you should be able to tie that and say, well, what does the Bible say? What is, what is the truth about that? When one of their friends says, I have two mommies, and that you have an elementary school kid, and, and they come home from school, and they say, hey, one of my friends said, I have two mommies. What does that mean? You have to be able to interpret that for them at their age level. If you have a 14-year-old that comes home and says, one of my friends said, I have two mommies, what does that mean? You have failed at interpreting culture for them. They should know by the time they're that old. But, I mean, who knows? A third grader, a second grader, first grader, I don't know at what level. You should know your kid. You should know. You should have the Holy Spirit helping you to discern when is the right time to address this with my kid. And here's just the most important thing, guys. You have to address it before their peers do. Because if you don't, they're going to believe the things they're the first one to the the first one to the to the party is the one that they're going to believe. You remember, have you ever learned a word the wrong way and you said it the wrong way for the rest of your life? That's how they are with morals and values. If, if they learn that from their friends, think about the things you learned from your friends. Way too early, maybe. And, and it messed you up. You have to be the one and you have to do it before the culture does it. And the culture is after your kids. So we have to be ones that are that are teaching them to to what these things mean when someone says, I, I'm now identifying as a different gender. You must call me this or that. You need to decide if you're going to teach your kid to no call them the other thing or to to call them what they want to be called. That's up for every individual to do. I've heard both sides of this when they say, when someone comes to me and says, I, I'm now a female, I call them by their female name. If that's what you feel like you need to do, you do that. Like, don't violate your conscience. There are some people that need to be need to address people like that. And there are some people like me that I'm like, nope, not going to do it. Sorry. And I know that may hurt your feelings, but I'm not going to do that. I'm not playing along. I don't call people that call themselves trans. I don't call them trans. I call them cross-dressers because that's what they are. There's no such thing as transsexual. There's only male and female. God created them male and female. That's in the Bible. I'm not trying to be offensive. I'm just telling you, this is what the Bible says. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm not saying if you do it a different way, then you're evil. I'm not saying that at all. It takes different kinds of people. Whenever people come to me and they say, hey, I need advice. I, before they even ask me their question, I say, look, I'm not the good, a good person for you to ask advice from because I'm going to tell you what I believe the truth is. I'm going to give you my opinion and I don't care if it hurts your feelings. I may try to soften it sometimes. If I like you, I'll try to soften it. For most of you, I haven't tried to soften it. So that should tell you something. I do try to soften it, honestly. And for some of you, you need to be loving and you need to walk, the, put your arm around somebody and you can be the person that kind of walks them back, gently walks them back to truth. And I'm like, hey, dummy, get over there back where the truth is. Like, I'm not able to do the, the soft thing. I just go directly to it. Somebody said, whenever somebody says to your kids, I'm a different gender and they come home and they say, what does that mean? You have to be able to walk them through that. Hopefully you already have had the conversation with them that you may have friends that say this and you have to teach them to love others and at the same time guarding their hearts to be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. That 
we make sure that these conversations, that you're having conversations with your kids flowing both ways. And how do you do that? You ask and you listen and you listen and you ask. If you ask the right people the right questions, you'll get the right answers. And you have to be intentional and engaging with your kids. And you have to ask your kids to talk. I'm telling you, your, kid, your teenager is going to get in the car and you're going to say, how was your day? And they're going to go. Bleh. And they're not, sometimes they don't even say one word. And if, you're, if it's a really good day, you'll get exactly that. One word. Fine. Good. Okay. And if you say to them, no, we're going to talk. <laughs> so what was the best thing that happened today? And what was the worst thing that happened today? And they're going to say, lunch was good. You got to engage them. You got to engage them. You're going to have to, you, listen, I'm telling you parents, trick them. Trick, pay them to talk to you. Pay them. Give them money. Give them food. Ex we have to expose the lies and deceit of a woke world. I know that I'm going really fast because first service was almost an hour and y'all be complaining. So uh, it's not, it's not a, um, it's not a judgmental, like just for the sake of judgment, it is judgmental, but it's judging by the standard of truth. It's a loving attitude with discernment because the media bombards us with lie after lie after lie. And th this has happened to us, us, the adults in the room. Lie after lie after lie. When the media tells us, if the government says, the government recommends, you don't even read after that. You're like, I ain't doing that. I don't care. The government recommends that you drink one glass of water a day. Nope, no more water. Like, you don't even care what it is. The government says do this. You're like, I'm not doing it. I don't care what you say. Like, because we have become jaded and skeptical. Rightfully so, we have become skeptical. But we have become skeptical because we have been burned. We have been lied to over and over and over and over and over. And over. We've only been lied to. The, the media hardly ever accidentally tells the truth. I saw someone on CNN tell the truth on accident this week. It's like, he's like, well, Trump was right. What I say? <laughs> it was so funny. Like he literally stopped. He's like, can't believe I'm saying this. We adults have become skeptical. Kids haven't yet. So what they do is they just believe. They ready to tell them? They're so innocent. So what we have to do is we have to train our kids to be skeptical. Wait, when the teacher says this, it doesn't make it true. It doesn't meet. Be very careful because this can go in the opposite direction very, very quickly. Okay, you can you can create a rebel without a without a cause. Okay, and you need to make sure that they ha they are a rebel with a cause. Okay, not a rebel without a clue. You know, so we have to be people that are training up the kids to stand up for truth, standing on the truth of the word, no matter what. You can't stand on the truth of the word if you don't know the word. So you have to be continually filling up your kid. These lies can break into the way that your children define themselves. We cannot allow this to happen with our kids. It's important that they understand that their emotions are there to, our emotions are there to help us to identify trouble. Our emotions are there to help us to process things. Our, our feelings do not change reality though. Um, you can communicate to your kids, your emotions are valid, it's okay. You, adult that's listening to me, you can't control when you get angry, can you? 
That's actually question marks over all of your heads. Can I? I don't know. You can't control if something angers you. You can't control that. You can't control what you do after that. You can control what you do in response. You can't control if somebody hurts your feelings. You can't control if you're happy. You can't control if you're sad. You can't control these things. You can control if you go camp out there. You can control if you stay there. If I want to be angry, I will watch the news or I will go read the news. And I'm angry every single time without fail. If I want to be happy, I will grab my grandson and talk to him. The best thing ever. It makes me super happy. Your emotions are a delicate, fragile piece of glass that you have absolutely no control over. Emotions are not to be built upon. Emotions are not to be built upon. We can, we can validate emotions, but you don't set up camp there. That's not where you live. You can guide kids in truth, but you don't build upon the emotional feeling. Whenever you do that, you are setting yourself up for failure. I always, I've talked to many um, children and teenagers about with anger issues. And if you talk to someone, you say, hey, look, re- now you're, all, you're way over here. You're at a 10 on the anger level. Do you remember earlier when you were all the way back here? at a one on the anger level? Remember something happened and you didn't like it? Yes. That's when you need to take control of it, when it's at a one. Because if it gets to a 10, you lo- you are no longer in control. You're Now that little, the angry red one, you know, what was the, what was the movie called? Inside Out. Yeah, Inside Out. You know, the, uh, so the angry red one's on the driver's seat. And that one's the one control. Now you lost control. You have to get, and you help them to process these things. Look, when you start to get a little mad, when you're a little bit mad, stop and say, do I want to go punch a wall? Do I want to go punch mom or dad? Do I want to hit my brother or sister? Do I want it to be out of control? I don't want to be out of control. They don't want to be out of control. So you say, you help them with it, but you can't camp out. When you build on emotion, it ends up being something terrible every single time. And I don't care if it's a happy emotion or a sad emotion. You don't build on that emotion, right? I've heard people say, it's just for me, I just, I don't want to deal with the drama. I heard, a man said this to me one time when I was a youth pastor. He said, man, I don't even want to know what's on, what my son's doing in his room with his computer. I don't even want to know what all's on his phone. And I'm like, man, you are stupid. Like, you are sending your kid to the wolves on purpose. Your son, I'll tell you exactly what your son's doing on his computer, on his phone. And I told him. And he's like, no, nah, not nah, my son. Yes, your son. They are. They are. And he said, uh, I said, you, you, you definitely do want to know because that's a wolf and that wolf is coming to devour your child. And it, you, can, you can ignore it. You can pretend like it's not happening, but it is. It is happening. We go, from, we go from thoughts to our identity in Christ to the emotions to the truth of God's word. And so the most important thing as parents, as watchmen and women, is that we are living it out. How we live out the truth is the most important thing. You know how when we get tired of doing the right thing, your first kid, you get your first kid, you're holding them and everything's perfect in the world. And, and they're, they have their pacifier and it falls on the ground and you like, you pick up the pacifier and you throw it in the trash because that's no good for my baby. And then, then you have your second kid and then the pacifier falls off on the ground. And you take the pacifier over to the sink and you rinse it off and you say, here you go. And you give it back to him. And then you have your third kid and the pacifier falls on the ground. You pick it up and you're like, you give it to that. And then the fourth kid and the pacifier falls on the ground. And you're like, get down and get it yourself. I'm tired. I don't want to deal with this anymore. I'm tired. We can get tired as parents. Do not grow weary. 
It is worth it. I know what I'm saying is very, very difficult because when you have to correct your, your son or your daughter and you tell them to do something and they don't do it. And so you say, all right, do it right now. No, do it right now or else. No. If one, two, are you going to do it? No. Three, four, why are you counting? I don't even know, honestly. I, my mom was a counter. I don't even know if she knows what, what comes after two. Because we did everything she said. My mom was four foot 11. I am still scared of that woman. Okay. She hits so hard for a little one. So you can count if you want. I don't suggest it. I, this is what I suggest. And I'm telling you from experience, when you say, hey, go to your room. And they say, no, boom, discipline. And, it, and, and you're like, ah, it's too tiring. Okay, if you do it enough times, the first time you tell them, they're going to do it. And you you don't have any, but you're like, oh, I'm so tired. Yeah, you're tired. Don't grow weary in doing well. Don't grow weary. In, it's worth it. Because if you count, if you're a counter, your kid is going to know full well, I don't have to do anything until they start counting. So they will never do anything until you start counting. And if you don't discipline because you got tired, like they don't have to do anything ever. Because, oh, mom's tired. I don't have to do anything. I can do whatever I want. I understand it's hard, guys, but it's worth it. You know, as infants, you have, your kid, you, have, you put all the, the, the locks on the cabinets. You had all the, every corner in the house is like padded. Like everything is hypo non-allergenic. And like everything is perfect. For you. And then they become toddlers and you're like, man, this is a lot of work. And then, and then they're like, so they're like four years old. And you're like, I don't know if I can do this. This may have been a mistake. Should not be a parent. I am not ready for this. I need some drugs. And so you're just like, I, I just, I need a break. I got to have a break. I need a break. And then you finally, they're, okay, finally, they're going to go to school. Now somebody else can raise them. Oh, y'all were all with me. And you're like, yeah, it's tiring. Yeah. Oh, I said that. Yeah, you, you can't outsource your parenting. It isn't like you, you can't let school raise your kids. If the school raises your kids, you're going to have some really messed up kids. It is hard, guys. It is very difficult. You don't turn them. I've had adults tell me that I messed up their teenager. Like, you, I can't believe you messed up. I'm like, look, man, I have your teenager for two hours a week on Wednesday. I have your kid for two hours a week. You had them for all the rest of the time, and you had them all those years before. You're the one that messed them up. Like, you messed up, and you continue messing up. Well, my kid's coming home saying that, that I'm doing all these things wrong. I'm like, well, what are you doing? And everything their kid's saying is like anti-biblical. It's like completely against what they're supposed to do. I'm like, yeah, your kid's right. Like, you're the one in the wrong here. Like, now they're calling you out. You're upset because your kid's calling you out because your kid's trying to live by the truth of the word of God, and you're not. And like, that's not good. You cannot outsource your parenting. The church isn't going to raise your kid. We're going to do our best in our very, very limited time to train them up in the way they should go. But what we do is going to have very, very, very little impact compared to what you do. You are the one that's training them up as a soldier to go out and to get out of your house. You're the one that's training them up for the battle. Remember in Terminator, Linda Hamilton, where she was training John Connor and it was like, that poor John Connor kid never had a childhood. Like everything was about the war that's coming like Skynet's got all the robots coming to kill all of us. You got it. And all she did was train up her kids all the time. 
whenever he was older, he was a man. That guy was a warrior. He was ready to fight. And that's our kids. Like, you can have fun parenting sometimes in very brief moments can be fun. You can have fun with your kids. Most of it's training, though. Most of it is like burpees. It's just miserable. It's terrible. It's uncomfortable. We're breathing hard. We're sweating. It's like that's what most of parenting is. But it's worth it. It does get more difficult as they get older. I know the worst time of being a parent is once they move out. Because now you can't hit them. When they do wrong, you're like, well, they're just doing wrong now. I mean, you can hit them, but they hit back. So I would just challenge you parents, and look, this is from me to you. This is not from the Lord, but that you would consider and pray about homeschooling your kids. I'm not telling you, it's not evil or bad to send your kids to public school. It is only evil and bad to send your kids to public school unprepared. So um, I know that some of you can't do it. And honestly, some of you shouldn't do it because you're not smart enough to do elementary school math. Okay. Elementary school math is like beyond what you can do. So it's okay. But I just would ask that you would pray about it. There are all kinds of programs that they have now where it's a joint um, homeschooling thing. We do some here at the church um, that Stacy and them are doing. So it's really, really good. If maybe there's some things that you can't do, there are plenty of groups of homeschooling. And But homeschooling doesn't get you off the hook of being fully engaged with your kid, okay? So don't think, well, we're homeschooling. We got it. No, no, your kid can still be pretty messed up. Y'all seen those weirdo homeschooler kids? Don't, don't say you haven't. It used to be where every kid that was homeschooled, we were like, those kids are weird. <laughs> like, now it's not so. Like, it honestly isn't so because a lot of you homeschool. So, but now you can, you if, especially if you're raising your kids up in church where they're getting that social interaction, it's very important. Uh, they don't always end up weirdos. They could, but it's okay. I used to want my kids to be cool until I realized what the cool kids do and how cool kids become cool. They do things that I don't want my kids doing at all. So fortunately, one of my kids is a dork, like dork, dork, anime dork. Like she wasn't trying to be cool at all. My other kid tried to be cool. Not so good. Because he, when he was trying to be cool, he did all the things that everybody else did. Even though he knew better, we trained him up in the way they should, that he should go. I have a boy and a girl, so you know which one is which. So, so we're living in a culture today where sin is celebrated. Uh, we have to be more diligent and persevere more than we ever have before. So in the future, when your child rebels, if your child rebels, if you don't, if you don't warn them, if you shelter your kids the whole time they're growing up. And I've known uh, as a youth pastor, I was a youth pastor for 16 years, many kids where the whole time they were in their home, they were never allowed to go out and experience anything. You as the parent need to understand when the time is right to loosen the leash and to spread to, to, to move back the fences. There is a time you have to allow your kids, and it's scary, you have to allow your kids the opportunity to fall into limited danger while they're under your roof. Because if you keep those fences the same the whole time they're growing up and they're, they never even have the opportunity to experience the things in life that, that the world offers, as soon as they move out, as soon as they leave, the, when they close the door behind them, when the last time they leave your house, they are going to experience everything the world offers. And I'm not saying they might, guys. Unfortunately, I am telling you with 100% certainty, they will. I have known children from staff members 
of our church that grew up, I knew them since they were born, grew up in the church. There was never a single service that they missed their entire time growing up. They had solid parents that trained them up, but they sheltered them. And they had these these high walls around them where they were never allowed to go to the birthday parties, even the birthday parties where other parents were involved. They were never allowed to go to any anything and do anything with anybody else unless the parents knew everything about everyone that was going to be there. And so the very first, one of them breaks my heart to think about it still. Before the end of the first semester of college, pregnant. She went to experience everything that the world offered because she did, had no understanding of how to fend off the wolf when he comes and he will come. So you as a parent have to know when. You can't, look, you can't open the gate too early because then you, you're sending them off to die. You can't open the gate too late because then you're sending them off to die. And you have to trust, number one thing, you have to trust the Holy Spirit to lead you because as there are more his kids than your kids. And you have to just trust him that he is going to, to teach you and, and lead you in what is right at the right moment, Right? So the last thing I think is we have to engage the culture. You have to get involved at the local level to know what your kids are learning about in school, to understand the curriculum, to talk to the teachers. When you go to, uh, you already had meet the teacher? School's starting tomorrow, for those of you that don't know. We need to be people that are praying for our kids, right? So you, if you don't have, uh, if you can't text your, your kids' teachers, go get their phone numbers. Go to the school sometime soon and get the, the teacher's number and say, look, I'm, I'm engaged with my kid. Um, I, I want to be able to talk to you if I need to talk to you. If my kid says something that, that is really dumb that says that you said, like I want to be able to check that to see that if you said that because I doubt my, kids, my kid lies to me all the time. So I just want to make sure that, that I can engage with you. So you, you should know the teachers. That's part of shepherding our little lambs. We've been tricked into thinking that we don't have a right to go to our children's schools. You can go to your kid's school. You should go to your kid's school. You should be a presence there at the school. You should, they should know you. Every one of your parents, your, your teachers should know your, your name because you are engaged with your kid. And don't think, well, I can send my kids to Christian schools. Christian schools can be more woke than public school. So you got to be careful. If I were someone that put a million dollars in the bank and the bank said, listen, you can't come in here and look at your money. I'm not putting my money in that bank. Period. So your kid's worth more than a million dollars. They tell you you can't come see your kid. Don't put your kid in that school. Put them in a different school. You can do that. You are legally allowed to do that. And you should do that. You have to be engaged. The most valuable thing that you have outside of your relationship with God and your marriage is your children. So you have to be engaged with the environment that they'll be in for eight hours a day. What are they seeing in school? What are they seeing in the library? What are their friends exposing them to? That's one of the biggest things. You need to have your kids' friends over to the house so that you can hear what they're talking about. You can see what kind of friends they have. Other families have different standards than you have. Maybe other families have stricter standards than you have. Maybe they have looser standards than you have. I can tell you that we had pretty strict standards for our kids. My son was was uh, exposed to pornography when he was 12 years old. And... That messed him up. And for years we fought that because he was exposed to when we were engaged, fully engaged, that my son would complain about me to his friends. All of his friends knew me. 
I spent a lot of time at the high school. Even his friends that didn't go to uh, our church, they all knew me. And every time he would complain about me, his friends would be like, I wish your dad was my dad. You have it so good. He's like, no, I don't. He's so me. Like, okay, dummy, shut up. Like, so we were fully engaged with our kids. And he had a friend come over, 12 years old, and they, he had a phone. And, and we didn't even know he, the kid had a phone. And they went and they looked at things they shouldn't have looked at. And you have to, you can't leave them alone to play until the concrete is set. Until you have that foundation to where you know if that thing, if something comes up, they're ready to deal with it. They're ready to handle it. There isn't going to be a time and you have to know when that time is for your kid. But you have to know your kids well enough. So, so we have to be engaged. We are training up soldiers who will one day be at war without your protection. Your kid is going to war and the war that they're fighting is worse than the war that we're fighting. It is going to be more difficult for them to follow the Lord than it is for us to follow the Lord. The things that are going to be coming against them are like, it's, it's far beyond what we can even imagine is coming. Part of teaching them how to battle is exposing them to danger in the right time, guarded, limited, protected danger at the right time, because that danger will not end in death if you are wise if you are, are shrewd and you are wise. And so um, we have to learn to loosen those reins and we have to engage with our local community culture. On November 5th of next year, our country could change forever or it could change forever. Those are the only two options. And so if there is an election, I'm still not completely sold that there will be. Who knows if, if it keeps... Um, spinning out of control like it is now and it keeps it's just going to keep getting worse and worse and who knows if the military doesn't just take over and say look we're gonna we're gonna enforce law no matter what the government says we're gonna do who knows what will happen we have to be ready we have to be people that are ready in and out of season so it will um it will be a day when we also whenever we vote for the big elections we also vote for the 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 lower elections our local elections there is absolutely no re you, you ever see people that go into the voting booth and they're there for a long time? Yes or no? I don't understand that. Do they go in there and that's when they decide to start praying? Like, okay, Lord, I don't know who I should vote for for this. You should never go to vote without already knowing the ballot and knowing every single spot on the ballot and who you are going to vote for in every single spot, especially for school board especially for mayor and the local city council. Those are the most important elections for your daily life. The big, the big election obviously matters a great deal, but the local elections are vital. So you should know before you get into there to start doing the touch screen and decide then. You have to be decided long before then. The ballot is online before you ever go in there. So you should know before, right? Are y'all with me? Okay, y'all were not saying yes or amen, and I told y'all about the amen thing, so... Um, so you should know that uh, whenever I do weddings, I usually, um, whenever they come, it's usually 10 minutes from when the, uh, when the bride starts walking down the aisle until I say, I now pronounce you husband and wife. It's usually about 10 minutes because I don't stand up there and try to convince them now how bad marriage is. Okay. It's, it's way too late to convince them. There are, everybody's already dressed up. Like you gotta, it's already, it's, this is going to happen. So I just give them a challenge. I give the people in the, the room a challenge. Hey, let's all be praying for them and let's go. Like kiss and, and go do whatever y'all are going to do. So I literally make it uncomfortable for everyone, just so you know. 
So because at that moment, it's already it's already done. It's a done deal. We're just we're just like now we're just, it's a formality. That's how voting is. You should already be prayed. I've already counseled that couple many, many times before they came up and stood before me. If you're walking into the voting booth and then you're deciding, too late, too late. What are you going to flip a coin? You're not supposed to have your phone and you better not be flipping coins to vote. That is not the right way to decide. You should be praying. You should be, you should. It's okay. He's a Cowboys fan. He doesn't understand normal logic. <clears throat> For those of you listening online, we had a Cowboys fan say something. <laughs> We're at a critical juncture in our culture today where we have to stand tall and we have to be engaged. And my challenge to every single one of you is that you would have a biblically well-informed answer to every woke issue for you and for your children and for your neighbor's children and for your uh, nieces and nephews and for the kids at the church. And you're teaching those, especially the kids that you're teaching those people. These things will come up and thinking parents allow their children and teach their children how to think. If you can teach them how to think critically, you are far ahead. The like the good shepherd is directing and guiding them. We are like shepherds. Um, a shepherd will teach. We teach our kids how to know when something is counterfeit. The best way, I've used this example so many times, you're probably tired of it. But at Chick-fil-A, I've never trained my employees on counterfeit money. I just let them handle real money so much that when a counterfeit bill came along, they didn't even have to look at it. They would know, oh, this is fake. What is this? This is fake. If you train your kids up in the truth, whenever a lie comes along, they're like, wait a minute, that's wrong. That's not truth. That's There's something wrong with this. I could literally, whenever, from time to time, we would get a counterfeit bill in. And so I would put it in a stack and I would tell them to close their eyes or blindfold them because uh, you can't trust them. And so I would say, hey, count, count out these bills and tell me when you get to the counterfeit. And so without fail, 100% of the time, my 15-year-old employees could do this. They would count the bills. This one, as soon as they touch it, they know it's fake. If you'll train up your kid in the truth, whenever a woke idea comes along and it's not the truth, they'll immediately say, wait a minute, that's wrong. This is fake. This isn't real. This isn't the truth. This isn't what the Bible says. And it's not even about memorizing everything the Bible says. That's not what it's about. It's about having the discernment when the Holy Spirit is leading you. Because you will know the truth and the truth will set you. We will be free. We are sheep who rely on the shepherd. We are all sheep, right? We are all sheep. And the, the number one thing about sheep is sheep are dumb. We are sheep and sheep are dumb. Me too. Me dumb. Uh, here's here's something about sheep, though. Sheep have a very good, they can see very, very well. They can hear very, very well. They can smell very, very well. They can detect the wolf from 1,200 to 1,500 yards away. They immediately know when there is danger. And if the wolf gets close, the first thing the sheep do is they gather together because a sheep by itself is easy prey. And sheep know that, even though they're dumb, they know that. You know what you tend to do, sheep? Whenever something comes along, you're like, oh, I'm just tired. I don't know if I want to go to church. Like, I had a really bad week. Like, I'm really sick. I don't want to go to the hospital. There's sick people there. What you do is you pull yourself away. 
And when you pull yourself away and you say, look, when things are rough, church really isn't the best thing. You're training your kid on that. What sheep should do is gather together. Our natural instinct should be to gather together because when we, when we see our worldview the way God sees it, when we see our world, we have this exceptional hearing by the Holy Spirit. We're hearing him warn us about dangerous things before they're dangerous to us. We, we have this sense of that, like our smell is like discerning and knowing right and wrong. And we can see that sometimes there are wolves in sheep's clothing. They look like sheep like us, but they're not sheep at all. That's a wolf. And you can immediately identify because you know the truth of the word. The good shepherd is going to lead you and your family and me and my family and life church. He is going to lead us into greatness and the greatness for a follower of Christ is to be in the center of the will of God no matter what. We are going to be people that are sold out to the way God has called us to live in the face of direct opposition. We're going to stand up for truth no matter what. We are going to be people that are raising up our kids and our kids are going to be examples to the kids around them. They're going to stand head and shoulders above their peers because they are ones that are standing on the truth of God. Their roots go deep into the, the, the word of God so that when a storm comes, nothing can knock them off track. And the storms are coming. Opposition is coming. The wolf is there and he is, he is seeking to devour your children, but not our kids. Our kids are ready. Our kids know where the battle lies. It is in the spiritual realms, and they will they know how to fight in the spiritual realms. Are y'all with me? God, we thank you so much that you have set us in this community for such a time as this, that we are going to be people that are training up kids in the way they should go. We are going to stand up for truth no matter what the culture tells us. That, Lord, we don't care about the cultural consequences. We don't care if it ends in us being excommunicated. We don't care if it ends in us being jailed. We don't care because we know that your truth is higher. Your calling is higher. And we are going to do the things that you call us to do over everything else. We thank you, Lord. Send the people our way. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Love you guys.